What's up, guys? Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, I know we've had fun uh, getting into it this year. Uh, If you guys want some more stuff, you want some more uh, video, you want to talk more football, you want to find out more about football, go to our website, runthepower.com. We've got great uh, standard membership videos, our premium membership videos, which we'll be adding to here in the near future. And uh, we've also... Uh, we got our February RTP Summit coming up, which again is also absolutely free. Go to our website, go to the drop-down menu uh, for the virtual summit. We've got 14 coaches. Again, if you guys sign up for it for free, uh, you get that for free if you watch it live. Uh, if if you got to miss a few days or you want to re-watch those, um, those, those presentations by those amazing coaches, uh, you can go and buy our all-access pass. Uh, it's cheaper right now up until February 18th. During February 18th through the 24th, which is when the summit is, uh, those prices raise. And then after the summit, they will raise again. So uh, this is the cheapest time you can get it. And all of our premium members, they get it for um, a much better deal as well. So all of our premium members will get a, a, a huge discount on that as well. So um, you guys go check out runthepower.com. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, Broken Arrow and Ankeny, invested in Guardian Caps this year. We feel they are helping our guys. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, they're actually a lot more affordable uh, probably than you guys would think, so go check them out at guardiancaps.com. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website, enter the code RTP, to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with J.J. Jennings. Coach Jennings is an assistant coach at Hickman High School in Columbia, Missouri, and is looking to make his way down to Texas uh, to coach some high school ball. Listen as we talk with Coach Jennings about his coaching career and moving around as a college GA and a stint in the U.S. Navy and his education as a young coach in the business. You can follow Coach Jennings on Twitter at Trench underscore Coach JJ. Hope you guys enjoy. My name is Jaden Jennings. I'm the freshman offensive line and defensive line coach for Hickman High School here in Columbia, Missouri. Um, I'm also the a varsity assistant offensive line coach to our head offensive line coach, Craig Seymour. And really, you know, I'm uh, 22 years old, and I think, you know, I've already had, you know, a pretty very interesting uh, football journey. Uh, my journey, I, I like to say, started seventh grade. Um, I went to a Bishop Miege high school football game where my uncle DJ was coaching. Uh, Bishop Miege, we all don't know, is a football powerhouse in Kansas. I believe they won four straight uh, Kansas 4A uh, state titles, and I think they're all by, like, 40 points. You know, very dominant program. And, you know, it was pretty much my first high school football game, and I watched it and just saw 
the way my uncle interacted with his players and then seeing the student section get into the games and after the game, uh, they won, they, they obliterated the team. And then seeing players, you know, go out with their students, with their fellow classmates and talk after the games. And then my uncle, uh, he gave each and one of his players a hug. And, the, and they always exchanged words and just told them how grateful they were. And, you know, to me, I was just like, you know what? Like, I want to do that when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm older. I can't, you know, and it's, I've always dreamed about it. It was just kind of like a thing, you know, I was going to play football as long as I could. Then I was going to coach as long as I could, and then I was going to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. That's all I ever really wanted to do. So then, you know, fast forwards, fast forwards me to 2014, um, graduating high school. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, at that point, I think I made the best decision in my life, and I joined the United States Navy Reserve. So I took that year off, uh, went to boot camp, lost 30 pounds, and, you know, I really got my mind right. You know, I was – to me, I think I needed it because I was very childish. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. I didn't really know. Like, I knew I wanted to coach football, but, you know, when you're that young, you don't know the steps. You know, you don't know the hard work that's going to come. You know, I, was, I like to tell myself I was pretty spoiled. I came from a very good family. And then, you know, really the military got me thinking and changed my whole life. So then I'm sitting there in A school, uh, which A school was pretty much like school for the Navy. I'm sitting there A school in Chicago. I'm just like, man, I'm like, I'm going to just fulfill this – football life like what I'm gonna do so then I'm a best friend at the time Brinkley Jolly he's uh he got a full ride scholarship to play at the University of Wyoming and I figured hey that sounds like a good place to start so uh, I emailed uh all their athletic staff to succeed any job you know I was I was I, I was getting money from the military so really money wasn't an issue so I just wanted to get my foot in the door didn't really care what and uh I got a job in the equipment room and then so that's kind of where my football life took off and um, I was assigned to the offensive line, you know, best position on the field. And I was assigned to a guy named uh, Scott Fuchs, who is still currently the offensive mm -hmm. line there. Coach Fuchs came from the unit of, came from North Dakota State, and he was part of those first three national championships. So then I, I, got, I learned a lot from him. And, and really, and this is like a big theme, you know, I, 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 I'm not blessed enough to play football. I wasn't blessed enough to play football in college. And um, so going through like my senior year, I'm going into my senior year right now. Like, I didn't get to play college ball, but for these last three, three, four years, you know, I feel like I've been blessed. I, got, I feel like I got the next best thing. So, you know, I, I worked for Scott Fuchs, but I was also working in the equipment room. And that's, you know, I don't know if y'all know much working about in a college equipment room. You are working, you know, it seems like I think 12 hours a day because you got to show up, you know, two or three hours before practice. Right. You got to be there before and after. Before and after. So, you know, you got to show up, give players their laundry. And you know, every player is always missing something, whether it's socks. <laughs> you know, they lose everything. You would think they sell it on the black market for all the stuff that you lose. They do. They, they ask for more things than anyone I've ever known. And for whatever reason, most of the equipment guys are not happy to give it to oh, them. Oh, my The goodness. ones I've been around, they are angry when they give it to them. Well, because, like, you know, coming to think in the equipment room, you're just like, I just gave you this two days ago. Like, what <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think we had this one player, like, I swear he needed a new pair of cleats every day. I'm just like, what do you do? What do you put your cleats? Like, you only wear them once a day. Like, what do you do? <laughs> but, yeah, so then, you know, and I like to tell a story. It's my first day there. You know, my friend's introducing me to everybody. And I meet this third-string quarterback by the name of Josh Allen. You know, he was this JUCO recruit from California. No one really knew about him. And I remember uh, we were sitting up there in the freshman dorms. I remember talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this guy doesn't seem pretty bad. He seems like a cool guy. And then 
fast forward to now, he just became a first round pick, <laughs> you know? So, and I remember, you know, snap, I got the pregame snap to Josh Allen a couple times uh, for the Eastern Michigan game because uh, one of our centers was having an equipment issue and they needed a guy to run out there and snap to him. So that's kind of like my claim to fame right now. I got to snap to Josh Allen before the game. <laughs> that's a, that's a better claim to fame than most though. Yeah. So like, and then, um, so we're getting towards the end of the year. Uh, we're getting to the end of the year of it. You know, um, I'm not meaning no disrespect to the equipment room. It's a very hard job. I was working, you know, I want to say 40, 50 hours a week. Cause you know, like on game days, I was getting there at eight. I wasn't leaving there till 10 at night. I was getting there at eight in the morning, not leaving till 10 at night. Cause you know, you gotta do laundry, clean pads. And it was a tough job and you know, no disrespect to it, you know, but it just wasn't for me. I felt like I wasn't really getting, cause I wanted to get more on the coaching side of it. Sure. You know, I wanted to learn football and just, there's only so much you can learn in the equipment room. You know, I'd be at practices, you know, really learning. Yeah, I, I would listen to Coach Fuchs talk. Coach Fuchs, he was a very loud man. You know, he loves to scream. Not, I, he doesn't love to scream, but, you know, he's very loud. Puts a lot of emphasis on playing hard, you know, going tough and, you know, going to, through the whistle. And I really enjoyed listening to him. I wasn't able to go to the meetings, you know what I mean? Like, he would say, all right, we're going to pin and pull. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, what's a pin and pull? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I really felt like I really wasn't getting it. So then at that point, you know, I was going to sell out. So I, um, I wrote the top 50 programs of the nation. And um, long story short, uh, the University of Missouri got back to me by a guy named Morris Berger. He's an offensive analyst at Oklahoma State now. He's like, bring you to be a student assistant. And for those of y'all who don't know what a student assistant is, we've all heard of a graduate assistant, you know, where you get free college and, you know, you're in the co- on the coaching staff. Yeah, student assistant, you're about five steps below that. <laughs> you work, so as a student assistant, you're working 40 hours a week for no pay, no tuition, and um, you might get a pair of shoes if you're in the right program. <laughs> so then um, I came, and I'm from Missouri, so I came back uh, oh, to Missouri. Go. You know, uh, started working for the University of Missouri. Right now, we're in fall 2016. I'm going. I'm, I'm working with um, corners and defensive line. And the coaches I was working for, uh, Greg Brown, who was a 40-year coaching veteran. He coached 10 years in the NFL and coached in 11 bowl games. And um, a guy I like to who I call the original OG, Jackie Shipp, who was the defensive line coach for Bob Stoops for Bob Stoops' most tenure. He coached in uh, 18 bowl games, and he was uh, the defensive line coach when they won that first national championship. And, you know, um, I, and this is when I learned, this is my first year at Mizzou, and I really learned, you know, the, I got to learn the X's and O's, and that's something I was very blessed for. Um, you know, most college kids, you know, I kind of joke around, most college kids, you know, my age, they're going out, joining frats, having parties, you know. You know, I'm breaking down Bill Belichick's defense. You know, I'm asking questions. Like, I was working, you know, 50 hours a week. Uh, you know, I'd show up right after class. I think I get a class at noon. I'd show up, you know, right after class and just – I felt like I was annoying because I was constantly asking questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I, <laughs> I, I truly didn't know anything. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, knew, like I knew football, but, you know, I mean, I didn't know what, like, a pin and pull was. You know, I didn't know what – I didn't know what a cover two defense was. And then, really, I was on the – I was assigned to the de- defensive line and defensive backs, and, you know, and I just learned so much. So, my day-to-day, I'd uh, get up. I think around eight, I go to class from noon, from nine till 12. And now I'm an education major. I'm middle school history, getting my job and teach, get my degree in teaching. I'd have um, observation hours that last an hour or two. And then I'd go to the football offices around two. I probably wouldn't leave till 10 PM. You know, I'd go there before, uh, set up meetings. Um, and then really just do all the dirty jobs. 
You know what I mean? And when I say the dirty jobs, I mean anything. Starting from, you know, coach needs a can of chew. All right, got to go to the nearest gas station and get a can of chew. Um, equipment needs help with something. Oh, I got to run down and do equipment. You know, I really made that emphasis to every coach. You know, I'll do anything as long as you just teach me this great game. Huh. And, you know, and um, even for game day, uh, one of my jobs was to pick up recruits from their cars and transport them to the games. Um, count wristbands, so much wristbands. Because we, we, wristband. <laughs> we did a wristband system. So we had to do wristbands every day, cut out 50 wristbands every day. You know, we were joking, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much getting a four-year degree in how to, learning how to cut wristbands. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, well, yeah, we actually know, uh, we know quite a few of the coaches at Missouri. We were, we, uh, we, me and Walls, uh, visited two years ago. So we probably saw you out there. We actually oh. went down to one of the, one of the spring games and got to go, uh, Brian Odom. He's Brian. My, oh, Brian. Brian Odom was my uh, strength coach in college at, at the University of Houston before he moved over. And then, um, Ellerby, which I think was the offensive line coach at that time, he was the yeah, offensive I heard, line. I heard you talk about that in one of your other podcasts. Yeah. He was the offensive line coach. Yeah. At he was that quiet when he, when he was with you? I swear the guy never said two words to me. No, he was, he was a little bit more boisterous. He was a little bit, you know, he was from, he was from the lineage of the, the offensive line coach at OSU. And I can't remember his name. Walls, do you remember his name? The one Hanson. that was forever? No, the, the coach that was there forever. Then he went to Texas. And now he's, I don't know where. Anyways, he was oh, kind of uh, Joe, Joe Wickline. Wickline. He was from the Wickline lineage. So he was kind of boisterous and, and, uh, I don't want to say rude, but he got after it a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I knew Brian Odom, and, and he's one of, one of my favorite dudes. Uh, Walls knew him from back in the day a he's little a good bit. Dude. And Brian, then, um, you talk about just one of the most just nicest. I mean, I remember like his first day there. You know, he started up a conversation with me, and we just talked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and he was a dude. You know, you can go into his office and just talk to him. You know, you didn't really need to knock. You know, you didn't need to schedule a meeting with him. You know, he was a very nice, very good dude. You know, he always treated me right. You know what I mean? Yeah, he did. You know, you can tell it's from a good family. And we loved having him as a strength coach. And then Coach Walls, you knew the uh, strength coach, right, at Missouri? Yeah, Uh, Coach Cutchlow. Cutch is crazy, man. He is. (laughs) I'd I'd love to have Cutch on a podcast sometime, but I don't know if we could tell half the stories he told me when I was at Tulsa. I got a good – I got one little story. So, you know – I used to be able to work out. I used to work out in the in the same room as the same facilities as the football team. So I'm sitting there working. I get done with my workout, and this uh, this girl who is one of my good friends, I walk over to her. I'm just talking to her. Co- Coach Kutch has stopped the whole workout and going, JJ, we don't talk. We don't do our flirting in here. That's for outside. Boy, you better get out of my weight room. <laughs> and I mean, I I don't know if I sprint off out of that room but I remember like that was probably easily one of the most embarrassing days of my life (laughs) (laughs) and then I see him the next day I'm like coach you know I wasn't flirting that girl and he's like oh yeah that's what they all say (laughs) (laughs) he he was legendary man he his favorite thing he just loved to tell you stories about the you know the the punishment workouts they had man makers was, oh. was always one of his favorites that the guys had to do when Coach they showed up late. Notorious for nicknames. Coach Coach will never know your name, but he gives you yep. a nickname that only he knows. And my nickname was Milk Dud. <laughs> <laughs> he he, like, he called Dud. a couple of, he had a couple of guys he called Milk Dud at Tulsa too. <laughs> like I'm just it's one of his go tos. 
I'm just standing there one day. I go, milk. I hear milk dug, milk dug. I'm like looking around. I'm like, is he talking to me? <laughs> and he's like looking right at me. I'm looking at him like he's crazy. He's like, are you talking to me? He's like, yeah, I need you to move something. I'm like, you know, my name is JJ, right? <laughs> like, you know, he called another guy, I think. Uh, he called one of the GAs, you know, Belushi. Yeah, another guy. He called him just a regular guy. And I'm like, where do you come up with these nicknames? You know what I mean? Like, um, I got a million stories about Coach Kutch. Oh. I, I loved Coach Kutch, man. He he was uh, – you talk about, like, cutting wristbands. Um, I remember a story with Kutch. He, he was always in charge of the game day uh, schedule. So he didn't like to carry around, like, a huge piece of paper. I mean, a regular letter-sized piece of paper. So he was like, Walls, I want these – I want these little cards so I can just put it in my pocket and I can pull it out and I can see it. You know, that's kind of how he talks. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, I had a bunch of stuff going on. I'm like, Hey, I'll get that for you. Cutch. I got it. You know? And I actually gave it to one of the other GAs. I said, Hey, Heinz. All right. You, you gotta, uh, you gotta, you gotta cut these first and then you gotta put them in the laminator and then you're going to cut them afterwards. Well, Heinz left the whole sheet. So he had the whole sheet laminated and then he cut it. Well, now the laminate was coming off because there wasn't any lamination on the, oh, on the edges. So I, know, so I don't know how Coach Cudd Coach Coach is going to react to that. Oh, dude. So, I mean, he's like, whoa, what the hell is, you know, what the hell is this bleep, you know? And he's like, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I apologize, man. You know, uh, uh, Heinz, Heinz put these in there. I had a bunch of stuff I'm doing. He's like, don't ever let Heinz touch my cards again. <laughs> You're going to be the only guy in charge of that. There's a reason I asked you. So don't ever let Heinz touch my cards again. So after that, I mean, there's the whole thing. And he's like, Walls, I got to have these laminates. He's like, you know, I sweat a lot. It could rain. I got to be able to see this thing. We got to stay on schedule. I'm like, all right, Kutch. People after that. Time, they're like, you know, who's the scariest dude, like, in the program? I'm like, to be honest, it's probably Coach Kutch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he gets on everybody. I mean, like – he doesn't care if you're a GA or an assistant coach or you play with other sport. <laughs> it's almost like if he smells fear, he's going to attack. <laughs> he, yeah, he, they had an open spot at, at his, in his house at Tulsa. And I was, you know, the new GA, and they're like, hey, you know, Walls, you, I, got a, I got an open room. I'm like, yeah, what do you got? He's like, well, it's a basement, but I, I set up a, a curtain down there so you can just slide the curtain back and forth and just stay in my basement. And I'm like – I'm good, man. I'll find something. <laughs> it's because I'd heard stories, you know, about how crazy he was. But you know, w- what a what a a great dude. I mean, as far as you know, anything you'd need from him, he'd always kind of take care of you. Um, once you're on his good side and he trusted you, I mean, he he'd do a lot of cool things for you. You know, he he was an Iowa guy originally. He's from over on the east side of Iowa. So, yep. And then you know, he worked at Iowa State. So once he kind of knew I was a Midwest guy and I hunted, and he, he loves guns. So you mm-hmm. you kind of speak the language a little bit with him. I mean. You know what a what a fun guy and a loyal guy and and you know Jordan Johnson another guy I worked with at Tulsa and then at Jinx, you know he was he was one of his mentors well and and I tell you what I mean, Kutch is a really salt of the earth dude. You get on his side, he's a he's a great guy to have, no question. I think it was the coach Honga from Tulsa. Now his mm-hmm. head coach was Eric Anthony, and Eric Anthony was was one of the strength training coaches when I was at Mizzou too. So mm-hmm. EA, which is another great guy, EA would help the would help athletes prepare for the combine. Mm-hmm. So just that whole tree of guys was just great dudes. And, you know, I'm not even forgetting, you know, Coach Mosier, Brittany Weave, who was one of the straight mm-hmm. teams, like just – and um, Coach um, Bethke, just a bunch of just great guys. And just as a strength training coach, I didn't really realize – one thing I learned, like, you know, there's strong relationships between strength training coaches and football players. And that's something I really yes. learned until I got here. You know what I mean? Because think about it. You're working out every day. 
you know, and then our strength, uh, the guys at strength training, you know, they check to make sure they check their food, they check their weight. This is an everyday thing. Yeah. There's yeah no co- and the biggest thing is you do not want to get on their bad side. Oh, no. I tell, I tell every kid, go in underweight so you can be in shape and you can kill the first week, uh, month of workouts and you'll, they'll like you for the rest of your career. Do not go in and start off on a bad note because they will always hate you. Well, uh, I think around Mizzou, the biggest thing for Coach Kutch is don't ever show up late to a workout. Mm-hmm. Man, it's gonna be man, it's gonna be man makers. <laughs> I love Coach Odom. I love I love Co- uh, Brian Odom. Loved him to death, except for one time. They made me take a kid out on a Tuesday night. He was a JUCO kid, or not JUCO. He's a transfer from Hawaii. Made me and my buddy take him out at night um, for his little recruiting visit or whatever. And I still had to have a six a.m. workout the next morning. So <laughs> I took him out till whatever twelve two a.m. And then um, I'm supposed to work out at 6 a.m. And I normally would have, but I don't know, something happened to my phone. It died. It's something. And that was the only time I came in late. And I came in at 8, and I got punished for it. And I still to this day think that it's BS because they shouldn't have made me take the kid out and then work out at 6 a.m. Norm, I could have gone through it. I, I would have been all right, but I just I, – I didn't, I didn't wake up to it. And they made a really big deal out of it. And I was like, this is the only one I've missed in five years. And it was because you made me take a kid out last night. <laughs> And I tell you what, though, you know, we're on the topic, you know, the Odom family, because, you know, his big brother, Barry's the head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I cannot, I'm not just saying this, you know, that is a true 100% family. You know, you hear, yes. you always hear, you know, coaches saying, you know, I haven't, I only see my wife, you know, an hour every day. That's not Barry. When I tell you not, his kids and his wife are with him every day. They're almost at every practice. His two sons, uh, JT and Garrett, and his daughter, uh, I forget her name, but they're always at our practices and they're very, you know, they're very, they're very heavily involved in his life. You know, I remember he was being honored at one of the wrestling tournaments and he brought both of his sons. So, you know, as far as, you know, I'm still young, I'm trying to figure out what kind of coach I want to be, what kind of guy I am. You know, when I hear coaches like, you know, I don't get to see my wife a lot, which you don't, but you know, he really taught me there are ways to where you can incorporate your, fam- incorporate your own family as well as your football family. And that was for all coaches too. We always had coaches' wives in our practices. Their kids showed up. I'm pretty sure after every practice, you know, the kids and children would be just sitting there waiting for them. You know, I wasn't – I'm not too familiar with this policy, but I've had a guess. It was pretty much an open-door policy with his family. And Barry is just – Barry is a tremendous dude, and I sincerely like talking to him. You know, during fall camp, I had the pleasure of having breakfast with him almost every day. And you can tell, like, he loves football, but you can tell he's multidimensional. You know what I mean? And then, sure. Yeah, more, more Oklahoma guys too, Walls. A couple right. Oklahoma guys. It's weird how those guys are always the good ones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and like I think I'm pretty sure my first year on staff, I think there was like 11 Oklahoma guys on staff. Yeah, because they all came. You know, Heupel and uh, Joe – what is it? Was it Joe John, Joe John Finley. Joe John Finley. And the, back, uh, and the assistant offensive line coach, I think it was John, Cooper. And John Cooper. He's yeah, at UCF it, now. Bunch of Oklahoma guys. Original OG, Jackie Ship, and, you know, you also had Ryan Walters. You know, and, like, we had a ton of Oklahoma guys. But you speaking of Joe John Finley, you know, we had this thing. Before every practice, you know, I'd stand in front of the door to hand players their wristbands. And then Coach Finley, you know, I call him the most juiciest coach you ever meet because he's always so hype. So I'd go up to him. I'm like, Coach Finley, you ready to eat juice? He's like, Jennings, you know I'm always feeling juicy. And, you know, we get a high five, and that's how we got practice started every day. (laughs) that's great it's great little things you remember like that well you talk about you know those coaches coming in 
I mean, how big of a difference was that from the offense you were at at Wyoming to then the offense that you're at at Missouri? I mean, that's almost polar opposites. So at Wyoming, I was offense, and I went over to defense when I was at Mizzou. So we're talking completely, you know, at Wyoming, you know, you're like, I remember, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. I remember, you know, Wyoming signed a three-star recruit, and people were going crazy. And then at Mizzou, you know, we had like the 31st best recruiting ranking, and they're talking about firing the head coach. I'm looking around, I'm like, my God. <laughs> like, you know, but that's just something, like, you don't understand until you live it. You know what I mean? Like, just the expectations for the SEC and expectations for a program like Mizzou. So, you know, I'm working on a program with Wyoming, you know, I think – I don't think not a lot of guys had multiple FBS offers. And you go to Mizzou, you're dealing with five, four, and three-star recruits all day, and they think, you know, they're just the next coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was, that's something I had – I didn't really realize the big difference between a power five school and a group of five school. You know what I mean? It's just like the expectations. You know, when you go to a, when you go to a school like Wyoming, and I'm not saying anything bad about their program. You know, Coach Bull, what he's done with that program is awesome. But, you know, Wyoming, you know, six and six season, you know, it's awesome, but you know, you go to a Mizzou, you have a six and six season. Yeah, they're talking about firing you. Yeah, you're talking about getting fired, and you know, and then like I said, you know, I I have more respect for Barry Odom than almost any guy I've ever met in my life. And then you just know, and like I couldn't imagine, I would hate, I could never be a college head head football coach. You know, like how can you go up to a head coach who just had a six and six season and be like, so you 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 know, you're your jobs on the line. You know what I mean? Like that's just. It always blow my mind, but so I go to Mizzou working for defense, and um, that was the first season of Damani Cross, and Damani Cross is from the Gary Patterson coaching tree. So my first year, I got to learn a lot about the four-two-five defense, and I remember you know going in before practice an hour before and a couple hours every day, and I really got to understand you know just the perfect parts, you know, not, not, not the part, the perfect parts, but just the parts of, like, if a player goes inside, someone has to come outside. Or, you know, you got to cover each zone in the passing scheme. And I really got to study that a lot. And I think um, I think my, my first year at Mizzou, I was trying to – I at least tried to watch, you know, three hours of film a day, whether that be the Mizzou defense or the or Heupel's offense or uh, – we, we shared the same systems as a lot of the NFL teams. So we had access to a lot of, to a lot of NFL film. And I remember, you know, I'm, I liked breaking down the Bill Belichick defense, and I liked breaking down the Kansas City Chiefs defense because I'm from Kansas City. And I really got to learn, like, you know, just really the X's and O's of football. I'm not trying to sound cliche, but, you know, I, I got to learn. And I got to just sit back, you know. I got to go to, I got to, go to those meetings. I got to, go to, I got to go to practice, you know. I got to ask questions. And I just really just got to sit there and just be a student of the game. Like, people ask me why I study. I tell them I study education, but I'm getting a minor in football, you know, because I'm just – I got, like, just such just a crash course history on the four-two-five defense, the 4-3 defense, and we got to learn a lot. And then uh, about 10 games into the season, we switched back to – we switched back to the original 4-3 defense. So then I got to, again, relearn that. And really, you know, that, that my first year at Mizzou, I got to learn – two college defenses, you know, you know, learning the audibles, learning the, ch the check down, you know, if we go to three by one, what are we going to switch out of, you know, I mean, after watching film and just, you know, making tweaks at halftime. And that really helped me out a lot, just learning the game. And so that was my first year. It was awesome. And then um, Coach Ship left us and uh, we got a new D-line coach into a guy who 
man, I can't say much great things about is Brick Haley. He became the new D-line coach, uh, spent time with LSU, the University of Texas, and the Chicago Bears. And the guy pretty much, I like to say, pretty much became like, a, a, he's probably my biggest mentor today to this very day. I mean, you talk about a dude like, who was a great football coach, but like even member of a person. And I remember like the first meeting he was having with the players, he was like, if I only teach you football, then I failed you. I failed you. You know, I'm not doing what I need to do as a coach. And he stuck through that guns. You know, we'd be in a, a meeting. We'd be in a meeting. And if it was an hour meeting, we probably talked football, like true X's and O's for half of it. The other half was, you know, he'd teach guys, you know, you know, about how to buy a house. He'd teach guys, tell guys about the importance of showing up on time. The importance of – his favorite quote was learning how to master your craft. You know, the importance of taking notes during a, during, a, um, during a film session. You know, if players weren't taking notes, he'd always say, you know, you better get this right in practice or I'm going to rip your butt. You know what I mean? Because you're not taking notes. <laughs> and learning – and then he really taught me how to watch film. Like, he opened up my eyes on, like, what to, what, what to look for as a defensive lineman. Because, you know, sometimes as a defensive lineman, you can already tell what the, what, what the offensive line's doing just by their stance. You know, he taught me, you know, he taught me, you know, to look at different, to look at different sets. You know, if, if the offensive lineman, you know, if his foot is lined out, you know, let's just say six inches to the left, that you know it's a pass or vice versa. Or, you know, if he just look for certain tendencies and to look for certain angles the offensive line was taking, and that, and that truly just blew my mind. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know you could look at stuff like that, <laughs> you know, being so young to the game. And, you know, I thought watching film, you know, just watching hours of just, you know, plays and schemes, but truly, you know, it was watching the little things. So then, uh, so then, and then so in my second year, I tried to take a big, a big different approach. And uh, I wanted to learn how to be a coach, you know, because, you know, I've met a lot of coaches, you know, in the past four years, you know, have you guys like, and this is kind of a question, you know, have you guys met a coach that, you know, he seemed like he knew all the X's and O's in the world, but he couldn't connect with his players, you know? Yeah, there's, there's tons of them out there. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's the two big things, right? And it seems like any, the decent coaches, the bad coaches are on neither side. They can do neither of them. You know, the pretty good coaches can kind of do one or the other. They can do the X's and O's or they can, you know, really communicate with their, with their kids. And then it seems like the really good coaches you do a good job of doing both of them. But, yes, I've ran into, you know, the entire spectrum. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the, the guys that, you know, you're, you're going into education, right? Yes, sir. So they're going to they're gonna give you all, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of education. They're going to they're gonna give you all the science and methods and, and things that you should be able to learn, the theories. What the, what they don't do is they don't teach you like how to teach. Yeah, you know, they're going to give you the theory, but all of a sudden now they're going to throw you in the deep end of the pool and they're going to see if you can swim. Mm -hmm. So I think there's there's a lot of guys who who've taken your path, and you know I was one of the guys that GA'd and did that stuff too. Um, I was lucky enough to do it at small enough school to where I got to wear a lot of hats, you know. And and you kind of run into some of these guys; they turn into like the career GA. You know what I'm saying? And it's like dude, you might know all this football, but you've never had to run your own meeting. You've never oh, had yeah. to coach a position group. So, I mean, that, be, that becomes the whole other aspect of it because that's honestly what it's all about. And that's, and that's another thing. And, you know, and 
people ask me, you know, what advice do you give to people your age? Cause you know, I'm only 22 years old. You know, I'm still, I don't pretend like I know everything about coaching. I, I've got so much more to learn, but, pe but people ask me, you know, what's the biggest thing you've took away from the last three years. And that is honestly to build good, wholesome relationships. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, like you guys been in the system, everybody claims to know everybody, you know, you have a guy over here that claims, you know, him and Jim Harbaugh are best friends. Another guy, you know, claims, oh, me and Nick Saban have the same so-and-so. And then, you know, he's going to bring me on someday. Or, you know, I mean, everybody knows every day. Everybody. <laughs> That's right. Everybody right. knows everybody, right? Yeah. But, but then, you know, what I've learned is just because somebody knows you, that doesn't mean they actually like you. So, you know what I mean? And that's what I've learned is just to build, like, awesome relationships. And that brought me to today. You know, we had practice today. And one of my good buddies, Charles Harris, who was uh, on the Mizzou D-line, he was in town today. I texted him, like, hey, come coach a high school ball right now. I was like, hey, you want to come talk to my team? It, was, it wasn't even a hassle. He'd be like, I'll be there in an hour. He showed up, gave my kids a heartfelt message. And he, even, he told people, you know, how me and him used to hang out. We used to watch film together every day after practice. You know, he would he would teach me stuff. I'd be like, I would ask him, you know, why did you, why why did you, you know, use this pass rush move, or you know, what were you thinking when you did this? And we'd have those talks, but we'd also talk about life too and future goals and just the relationship we built. And then today he was talking to my players today, and it just meant so much to my players, but also meant so much to me because you know, as an NFL player, they're always doing something. And for him to take time out of his day and come talk to my players, you know, that meant a lot to me. And then building, like, the relationships with the Brian Odoms and the Brick Haley's and the Greg Browns. Like, I, I talked to Brick Haley, I believe, on 4th of July. You know, I asked him how his family was doing. And, you know, Brian Odom, you know, I feel like – I always say I feel like I already know half family because they're all, they're all – <laughs> But, you know, it's just like that's something you never forget. You know, you'll forget about the games. You'll forget about everything. But at the end of the day, you know, you'll remember the guys you've met. And the guys, you know, you've shared that bond with. And some of my best friends, some of my true best friends I met at Mizzou and I met at Wyoming, you know. And, you know, and as a coach, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't think you ever get too close to your players. You know, I really don't. Because, you know, you see some coaches, you know, who don't really care about their players. You know, you can just like, tell, like, they're at this job just till I can get to that next job. You know, I've never really wanted to take that approach. You know, I've always been cognizant of, you know, getting to know players about who they are where they're from you know what they do outside of football you know what's this guy all about and I like to boast you know I was at Mizzou in Wyoming I could tell you every state and I could tell you and I could tell you um, what high school they went to that's just something you know I wanted to learn because at the end of the day I'm not going to remember Charles Harris the football player I'm gonna remember how he was as a person and I'm gonna remember how me and him would you know go out to eat I'm gonna remember how we would joke around during the meetings I'm, you know, I remember how Coach Cutts screamed at me for talking to that girl one day in the weight room. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna remember how hot the practices are. I probably won't remember, you know, half the games I've been to. But you know, I'm definitely gonna remember just the relationships I've built. And I've, and I've built some pretty good relationships, man. And I've been, I've been very, very blessed to work with very good coaches. Um, for the four coaches I got to work with, with Scott Fuchs at Wyoming, the Jackie Ship, Greg Brown, and Brick Haley. Between them, they've coached in 41 bowl games. Three of them coached in the NFL at one point. Um, of course, Jackie Ship won the national championship and coached in two more at Oklahoma. And Scott Fuchs won three national championships at Wyoming. And for me, just to sit back and learn and learn from those guys and just learn how to be a coach. And I hear coaches come in here all the time, you know, pick stuff that I like, you know, pick stuff that I don't really like. 
I think it, believe me, it's really set me up on the right path. That's, that's exactly right. And, and one thing I was going to say about, you know, the meetings, like you said, Walls, that was one of the best things for me that happened was I just kind of got thrown into, you know, running a meeting. It wasn't even like, hey, this is maybe how you do it. It's like, all right, you got to meet with your guys. And so I tried to, I tried to take, you know, I had four offensive line coaches. I tried to think of what the best offensive line coaches I had, what I thought they did, and, and tried to roll with that through the meeting. And, I, you know, I think my meetings have gotten better and better as I've learned. But uh, that was a real confidence booster after you get through a couple of meetings and it's, it goes right or it goes the way you want to. And then, you know, some of the good things is you get to see some other coaches' meetings and you say, I never want my meeting to look like that. Yeah, like I remember, like, you know, Coach Jackie Ship, you know, just from Coach Jackie Ship, he was a very private person. You know, if you weren't his GA, and there was times he didn't want me in there. He was a very private person, not because, you know, he didn't like me. It's because, you know, he truly felt like it, was, it had to be a tight-knit group, and he didn't want anybody, you know, no outside sources, you know, getting his players distracted. And then you had, like, players like Greg Brown, and I thought Greg Brown was awesome because I don't know if it's the right groups, but he, the way Coach Brown handled all those personalities in the meeting. Some coaches could have been real hard and been like, you know, hush, you know, I'm talking, you know, no talking, but, you know, he let players, you know, be themselves. You know, he let players, you know, interject when they had to. He let, you know, he let them joke around. And then you had Coach Haley, you know, you were going to take notes. You were going to show up to this meeting on time. You're not going to sleep. And then Coach Haley, you know, he'd also mess around with you. <laughs> and, you know, and that's another thing. That's one thing I've learned about meetings, you know. Yeah, you know, have them structured and have them, you know, where you're listening and have them disciplined. But, you know, at least let the players relax. Because, you know, especially in college ball, you know, you're going at this. I mean, players are going at it all day. And sometimes they truly just need – sometimes take their mind off things. So some, one thing Coach Haley liked to do was, you know, he'd be talking, you know, oh, this is giving a coaching point. And then he'd be like, shut up, JJ. And everybody would just start laughing. <laughs> or, you know, he'd be like, hey, you're fat. And just, you know, keep on going. But you know what I mean? Like, not, not because, you know, he's trying to be mean, but, you know, he would just want to get the players calmed down and relaxed. And to me, you know, that's something you know, I do with my players today, you know say something, do something, just get, and give them words of encouragement, but also let them know, like, this is a relaxed environment. We're not on the field running right now. You've been through a lot all day, all day today. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, man. It, it, like, just talking about it brings me back so much memories. I think, I mean, meetings nowadays, you know, I, I've changed a lot of the ways that, that I've met, you know, when you start to kind of, you know, sit in enough of these, and Harper and I are lucky enough to go to enough colleges, but, you know, Harp's exactly right. You, you glean things from meetings that, like, oh, that was awesome. That was a good idea. Yeah. You know, I, I picked up some good stuff from Iowa State. I, I picked up some great stuff from, uh, you know, Scott Frost and, and some of those guys. But then, you know, Harper said the same thing. You know, there was meetings I sat in and I was dang near falling asleep in there, you know, oh. trying to learn a little bit of football. And you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll never do that in a meeting ever. And, and maybe that's probably some of the, the better lessons you learn. You know, it's kind of like when you're a kid and, you know, the first time you get hurt or the first time you start bleeding and you see blood, you remember, hey, I'm not going to do that again, you know. <laughs> Same kind of deal with, with seeing a, a really, really bad meeting or, or maybe you have a, a bad coach uh, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth and you're like, you know what, I'm, when I go into this business, that's, that's something I'm never going to do or I'm really going to try not to do. So, I mean, there's, there's many ways to skin the cat, but I think if you're going to be successful in meetings – I mean, you got to be able to hold their attention. And now I, I, I don't think you can meet for a super long amount of time. I think 
I think if you're sitting in there for an hour, I think you're, you're being very, very counterproductive. There's much better usage of your time. I know, you know, coach Harper, I always admired his ability to, you know, hammer the things that, that they wanted to get done in five, 10 minutes. And then they're out walking through and he was able to, to get a couple of groups going at the same time. And they're, they're getting all those mental reps. I think, you know, that stuff's invaluable. If you're a tempo team, you shouldn't be meeting for a long time. Why would you? You're snapping the ball every 12, 15 seconds. That's how your clip should be. You know, that's how your cut-up should be. So I think you really need to kind of mirror those things and, and be deliberate in those things, you know. And that's why I give a lot of – Thoughtful. And that's why I give a lot of credit to Coach Haley. Like I said, you know, we'd have an hour-long meeting, but we're not talking about football for that whole hour. You know, I remember, I remember one meeting, he actually brought in a list of five because he coached with the Chicago Bears. And he was like, you know, you guys really need to learn, you know, well, how important how important of it is to show on, up on time for a meeting. And I remember him, you know, going down the list, you know, players in the NFL, they're getting fined $10,000 just for showing up one minute meeting to a late. And his driving point was, right now it's not such a big deal. But, you know, if you want that goal to play in the NFL, you know, ten grand out of your pocket, you're not going to have no say in it. And just, you know, you're not going to be able to fight it. It's just going to come in a fine. They're going to take out your paycheck. So, and then, you know, he talked you know, talk about, you know, buying a house. And he talked about, you know, school and how important that was. And the importance of – he talks a lot about finishing your degree. And he talks a lot about playing together as a team. So, yeah, we're having a hour-long meeting, but we're probably talking about football for an hour, for a half hour. And the other part, we're just talking about life. So, Coach, you know, coming as a young coach, still obviously 22 years old, so very – 22 years young, still very young in it, and, and finishing up your, your courses. Um, what are some of your goals going into the, the coaching, you know, profession? I know you've been in it for a few years, but now that you're out of high school and, and I'm sure you've got some goals in mind, maybe five, ten years down the road, or maybe not, but what are some of your goals to – you know, what do you – what would you like to be? What kind of a coach as far as, you know, uh, position or head coach or – you know, eventually college, or, or what is in, in your future as you see it? Really, uh, my goal, and what I tell people is my goal is to carry out as far as the good Lord will take me. My ultimate goal is uh, I want to coach in the NFL, and that was something, you know, I realized when I was at the University of Wyoming. So then, you know, uh, when I started, I do this every year. Every year, I handwrite every head coach, defensive coordinator, and offensive coordinator. I write, I write them a handwritten letter, and I ask them for a, if I can get on as an intern. I've done that uh, every year for the last three years. And then this year I started writing scouting departments. I started writing um, equipment rooms. And um, one of the coolest things that to this very day ever happened to me, I wrote Bill Belichick one day. You know, when you write a letter to that kind of person, you don't think you're ever going to reply back. Well, then one day I get this letter in the mail, and this is like a month after they won their fifth Super Bowl. And it was a letter from Bill Belichick. He said, yeah, I can't really give you anything right now because I was asking – I asked for an internship, you know, just so I can stay on through training camp, you know, just to get my foot in the door. I tell them I'd do anything. And Bill Belichick actually wrote me a letter back and said, you know, keep on pursuing your goals and to never give up. And he actually personally signed it, personally signed it and sent it to me. And then another day, uh, the, I think it was Vance Joseph gave me a call when he was still the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. You know, we talked ball for 10 minutes. So if I had to tell you, no, my goal would try to be coaching the NFL, and that's something I'm probably always going to pursue. But if that doesn't, if that doesn't happen, you know, um, uh, I would love to coach. I would love to be a head high school football coach. And then even if I do, if my if I'm able to coach in the NFL or college, my goal would be to be the best offensive line coach 
in all of college football or the best offensive line coach in the NFL. That's my goal. I don't really have an aspiration to be an offensive coordinator or to an NFL or, or offensive coordinator or head coach at any of those levels. I, my goal would be to be the best offensive line coach in the, NFL, in the NFL or college ball. You know, like right now, I, th- I see guys like Herb Hand. You know, he gets so much respect around, and he's such a vital, important piece to his team. And, you know, that just gives me a lot of motivation. Herb, it sounds a lot like your goal, man. Well, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that's all I wanted to be as best offensive line coach there is at high school. And that's kind of all I've ever, you know, aspired to be is just be the best at, at what, I, what I do. And maybe one day it changes to offense coordinator or head coach. But right now, like you said, I don't, I don't have any aspirations of that. Just try to be the best, you know. And I, I think that's a good thing. And I think that's what, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good uh, example to show for the kids, you know, what, whatever you want to be, just, just be the best at it. And that's what I try to tell my, you know, my son and my daughter when she's old enough is I don't really care what you do. You know, there's going to be something that God's given you an ability to do and go be the very best at it. And, you know, if you can't be the very best at it, I, I think find something you can be the very best at it, go chase it and be the very best at it. And so, um, you know, I think I was kind of gifted with some ability to coach football and, and understand football, at least offensive line wise. And so, you know, that's kind of my goal. And hopefully I set that example for, you know, for my players and for my kids. And so I'm sure that you'll set that, you know, that same example for your kids. They see you chasing after that and being okay with where you are and just wanting to be great. And I tell my kids that, and I think that's, I think that's a big deal. And I think that's a lot of times I don't hear that very often from coaches, but that's one of the big things I tell the kids in our very first meeting. I say, I want you guys to be great, partly because I like you guys and want you to be great for you, but also partly because I want to be the greatest and only way I can be great is if you're great. And so, um, you know, and I kind of am honest with them and I think they like to hear that. I don't know if they do or not. I think I would like to hear that though, just honest and knowing that your coach wants to be great. I I think that kind of raises you up to that standard as well as a player you know I know it's not gonna happen overnight like I remember you talking about you know getting thrown into your meeting rooms you know as an undergraduate student assistant you know I'm not running any meetings heck I'm not invited to some of the meetings you know what I mean like I didn't know what it was to run your own meetings run your own practice and then you know I get the job coach of high school ball and then you know I'm talking to Cedric Alvis who's our head coach talking to Cedric so I'm like so you know what we're we doing in practice today he looked at me like what do you mean it's your group I'm like what like, I'm actually running my own practices now? He's like, that's what I hired you to do? I'm like, oh, man. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's stuff, like, you don't really think about. So, you know, me working, you know, for a team like Mizzou, I was pretty cocky. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you know, I've worked for the SEC. Coaching high school football is going to be a breeze. Oh, freshman ball? Oh, that's going to be a breeze. And the next thing you know, like, it's my first meeting. I have this whole planned out thing. You know, we're going to go over plays. You know, I'm going to teach them all this great stuff. And the next thing you know, I've been going over three-point stances for 45. You know what I mean? Like, it's just stuff that you That's don't. exactly right. you got to be able to adapt really, really quickly uh, because you can think, you know, or sometimes you think you got a bunch of kids and half of them are sick, and now you got to do it with five of them. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's just stuff that you don't – I never really thought about, you know what I mean? Like, running your own meetings, like – like, like, it's just like, you know what I mean? I came in so cocky. Like, you know, I'll be able to, you know, accomplish my goals and so quick, you know. And there's just so much stuff I have to learn. You know what I mean? But like I said, luckily, I've been provided great mentors. The head coach I'm working for, Cedric Alvis, which, you know, if I can't ever get into the college or NFL ranks, my goal would be to be a head high school football coach. 
you know, just knowing, you know, I'm just not ready for that yet. Just seeing the way our head coach thinks, you know what I mean? I'm thinking about like a little picture and he's already thought about that, analyzed it. He's like, like, cause he can't, uh, he, this is a first year staff. He's a first year head coach and he's already came in, you know, he's already redid the locker rooms, got new helmets in the process of getting, trying to get new jerseys, trying to revamp how everything's looking, you know, trying to redo the sound system in the stadium. And I'm like, like, you know what I mean? It's just stuff like, how do you even go about doing that? You know, how do you even start, you know, wanting to do fundraiser for your program? Like I've never done that. Or like learning about the finances of a football team, that stuff. Like I've never been taught, you know, so I'm coming here, I come in thinking, you know, I know all this stuff, but then truthfully, you know, God, like you think to yourself, like, man, what am I doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man, you got to put yourself in, in, in different roles. You know, there's going to be times where, yeah, you're going to be the guy in charge of your position group. But then the other times it's like, you know what, I'm going to have to be the student here. And I'm going to have to to really listen to people. I know that was one of the things I struggled with when, when I was a young coach, you know, being able to kind of go interchanging in those roles and not only, you know, being in those roles, but really, really living those roles, not faking those roles, you know, not, not doing the whole, you know, we had, had kids that would always just automatically say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, they didn't mean it because they wouldn't be listening to you. They'd just be saying it, you know, same thing. I would, I would be the same thing when I was, when I was a coach. You know, I'd kind of be acting like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm paying attention. But really, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, no, I'm not paying attention. I really don't care what this guy has to say to me. So, I mean, one of the things I'd learned with, you know, experience was when, when I'm in that role, you know, listen. That's going to be the, the biggest way for, for me to learn, to get into that, that, that mode. You know, um, rather than asking the questions and, and talking, you know, and there might be some things I want to be inquisitive about, but I just want to listen and absorb it first. And then I have better questions that I can ask. And I know that was one of the things Coach Harper always did. He's really observant, and then he'd wait to ask his questions. So I thought he, his, his questions were always really, really pointed. I don't know if, if Harper remembers that, but, you know, he'd, he'd kind of be sitting there waiting all day, and all of a sudden then he'd have some really, really good questions because he'd observe that. And he's like, you know, hey, Coach, maybe you'd said this before. What do you mean by this? Or, hey, Coach, I have a question about this because it was confusing during practice, whatever it may be. But – I know those are always things that I struggled with really, really bad. So it's a, it's a part of me now, you know, when you guys talk about goals and, and, and my goals, you know, who knows what, what will be in store for me. My number one goal now is, is to help young coaches and to help as many coaches that I possibly can. I mean, that, that to me is, is my goal. It's, it's, it's become my new job at the school I work at. You know, I'm being an instructional coach. That's going to be my job to be a colleague to other teachers to help them reach their goals, you know, not my goals, not what I think they should be doing, but, you know, whatever your guys' goals are, and then hopefully being able to, to share some of those experiences. So it's fun to hear you guys in your guys' mode because, you know, I, I was in that mode too, and it was, it was difficult. I had some bumps and bruises that I had to go through, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm definitely – I know somebody likes to talk a lot. I remember one day I was just talking, and Coach Cross, Damani Cross was a defensive <laughs> One day he looked at me one day, he's like, you know, God gave you two years and one mouth for a reason, right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, <laughs> you know what I mean? But what truly is, and that's, why, and that's why I tell people, always ask questions. Like always, uh, for sports coaches, name one sports coach that doesn't like talking about their job. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. also, You can go to any football coach in the world and he'll talk to you hours about offensive line play, defensive line play, 
and that's just always try to ask questions and always try to learn more. You know, there's always just so much more football. And as a young coach, I always ask questions. I, I'm pretty sure I, I swear I ask a question every day because, you know, like, <laughs> this is just so new to me. You know what I mean? Like, what happens, you know, if a player has a job? <laughs> you know, players having jobs and also I go to practice. Or, you know, what happens if a player is sick? Or what happens, you know, if you have a parent complaint? Or what happens uh, we, uh, when a player's got a test, but you need them at practice too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you always are constantly asking those questions and asking, you know, I feel, like I said, I always tell, like, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I always say that on the hog football chat. Like, I always feel like I just don't know what I'm doing. Well, Coach, I think you got a, you got a great, you know, um, attitude towards it. And so, uh, obviously, I'm sure you know it. You know, you've been through a bunch of, of the high ranks. So, um, you know, go far, you'll go very far with that attitude, I, I think, as, as well as that's the way I'm trying to go as well. But, uh, you know, we're kind of coming up on an hour. So, uh, I kind of ask you the last question that I always ask. But it's uh, when you're watching someone else's offensive line, uh, what's, some, what's something they'd be doing that would make you think, really highly of their coach that they're finishing blocks um really that they're finishing blocks that's a big thing you know, I, I love nastiness and offensive line and also like it's not I, I like like I've observed like the camaraderie of an offensive line you know do you see your offensive line talking before the snap or do you know or you know when the offensive line on the sidelines can you look on the film and all five of the offensive linemen are sitting together talking, going over what they see, what they just saw, you know, making pregame adjustments. That's something I always look for, you know, and that's something I try to build with my offensive line, camaraderie and just uh, unconditional love for each other. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.